back live Monday morning, 10 a.m. Romania, oh. Finland. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Simo? I can't remember the last time when I woke up to my alarm. So I, I had the, my watch alarm went off and I, I can't remember the last time that it's probably been two years or something, but the kids slept in, which was incredible. We had a, we had a, we kind of opened our barbecue season yesterday. So we all Ooh. stayed up a bit later and we got a trampoline for the kids, which I finally caved in. And so it was just a hectic day. Now I'm, I'm still sure kind they're of having fun. Oh, they're, they're having a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of. Yeah, not only are trampolines like super ugly, like they <laughs> they they mess up the whole backyard feng shui that we've been going on, we've had going on. <laughs> They're also really dangerous. Like there are so many little things that can rip you up. Um, oh, there's the delivery guy. Come in, come in. What? So what are we getting today? Oh, shoes for my son. Oh, great. Yeah, he uh, guilt repulsed that uh, we bought another pair of shoes, but the baby and his shoes are like obsolete in two months. Yeah. So he said, why does he have pair, two pairs of shoes and I don't? And <laughs> I was like, well, I was just about to buy you another pair of shoes. So I had to buy him a pair of shoes. So now he's happy, which is why the delivery guy decided to interrupt. But it's fine. See, this is real life. This is a but real life is- podcast. Like the equilibrium between what kids want is so difficult. Like it's, if a baby gets another, like a pacifier, then the older one wants one too. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like when and when it's does hard that to stop? I don't know. Yeah. And it, between minds is such an age gap. Like uh, the old one is turning 12 in June. Yeah. And uh, the, the baby is just two years and a half. Yeah. Like, so a toddler, you, yeah. Yeah, like you guys have totally different interests in life, but they, the, there, there I was, there I was buying shoes again. Uh, but why doesn't work? Why doesn't work for like? Okay, so the older, so the younger kid just cleaned up after themselves. Why? Why doesn't the older kid want to do that as well? Oh, they don't. It's only for the toys, and it's only for the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Something's very, messed up. Very materialistic children. Yes, that's good. <laughs> the Western way. Yeah, I see in, in Romania, the Western mindset is coming too, and I don't like it because when I was a child, I was happy for a banana or an ice cream. It's like, oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and like now everyone has like these needs and like I, I was the other day uh, in a call at work and my son was calling me. He was at school. So I said to my colleagues, like, I need to pick this up because my son never calls me from school. So I pick up and he was like, listen, I really need a $20 voucher for Steam. I was like, what? It's like, I need to buy a game. And I was like, I cannot buy you the game. He was like, listen, please, please. And I was like, I think I'm going to hang up right now. Wow. So I hung up the phone. So yeah, like that's the type of needs that they have. And he just wanted this expansion. He's playing all these games like Stray and Dying Light. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's into this anime horror type. Really gloomy. Yeah. yeah, and also the music that he listens to as well. Like he reminds me of myself when I was listening. Oh, but to that's the just most, good. The most depressing shit I was listening yeah. to. <laughs> that's just piece. good. I mean, that just means that just means that that he's found a way to kind of uh, for escapism, and he's found a way to kind of channel his whatever moods. I mean, it's better to put them out into creative stuff than to something actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's cool. It's cool. But. It's a new day. It's a it's a new start of the week. Tomorrow I have to leave to uh, measure camp. Not to measure camp. I don't even know where I'm going anymore. To Web Analytics Wednesday. I'm gonna uh, remember when Julius was in the podcast. He oh, lost yes. the bet, and he yes. found the worst city to meet me for the first time. You know, after that bet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my beers and. Uh, yeah, it's not a cheap city for beer. Yeah. Um, so last week I was at Amsterdam at the um. The, the, the Emers Conversion Analytics Conference. We had Ton Wessling there as well. We had Charles Farina. We had lots of lots of great speakers. And um, Anne-Marie Klassen was there as well. Lots of old friends from the industry. And we had a great time, hung out with Charles, grumbled about GA4 a bit, <laughs> uh, walked around Amsterdam. So, but the cool thing is, so on the, on the, so my son is now really into the Pokemon trading card game, which is, is, it's really good. Like it does, the game is good and it's fun to collect those things. And it does amazing things for a five-year-old because his brain has to kind of understand like, okay, so 
this Pokemon type works with this type, and this has all these moves. And he doesn't speak, he doesn't understand English that well, but he's learning through the card. So he can, oh. he doesn't read English. He reads Finnish fine, but he doesn't read English at all. But now he knows the cards out by heart. So he knows like, what, like 180 cards, and he knows exactly what reads on them. And so he, it's, it's just amazing to see his brain work. So cut to Amsterdam. I promised my son I'll bring him a couple of booster packs. So for those who don't know, booster packs are those, you know, cost like five, six, seven dollars, something like that. And they have 10 cards and you don't know what they are. And you, of course, hope for like really good ones and, and really powerful ones and some things that fit in your deck or what you're collecting and so on. So I got him three of those. And then when we come home, he opens them and, and we look at like there are these couple really cool cards that we've been looking for. So really like powerful up power cards. But um, so for those who are interested, there was the Mewtwo V-Star um, upgrade card and and then a Simisir V-Star card as well. But the thing is, those were like really shiny and they had these amazing colors. So the old capitalist in me, I went to the web and checked out how how valuable they are. And it turns out the, the, the Mewtwo card was like, it's it's quote unquote street value was over a hundred euros, Whoa. and we found a local game store in Helsinki that trades Pokemon cards, and they gave they gave my son like seventy euros total for the two, which he could then use in store as in store credit. So of course he got a bunch of new boosters with it. But That's wow, so cool. like the first boosters I've ever bought, and we got this like ultra rare super value because of course there's like a there's a million Pokemon cards, yeah, and it's and and the kind of the normal distribution is that most of them are, you know, one euros, two euros, five euros tops. So we got this super rare one. And now we're, of course, completely hooked into the financial side of things as well. I'm like thinking, is this my pension plan? Like I'm going to start <laughs> oh, buying boosters. But it was really so fun. Cool. But but it was also funny to see my son because he was genuinely torn between taking the money and buying them. new stuff versus actually having a really good card in his deck. And uh, I am a bit ashamed to say that I did kind of push him to selling simply because with that one card, he could get like 10 new booster new packs and he could yeah. get even better cards. We didn't get any better cards, but he could <laughs> have got, <laughs> but we got a lot of good cards. And, and, and I think that he just kind of, uh, he understood now that there's also like value in taking really good care of the card. So now he's bought, he used his savings and he bought some binders where he can put those cards. And so anyway, that was a, that That's was so just cool. a, such an amazing thing um, to happen because I, I always thought that it's, I always thought that it makes no sense to sell those cards because the 99.9% .9 of them are valueless. And if you, and only, you can only get like, like, you know, in Charles, Charles and the chocolate factory, you don't get the golden ticket from the first chocolate bar you buy. You have to buy like a million of them. That That's was an so obscure cool. roll doll reference, but. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that was that was Amsterdam last week, and the conference was really really nice as well. It was it was a, such a nice venue, and the Amsterdam Amsterdam crowd is just so they're fun people. It seems like everything in Europe is right now happening in Amsterdam in our industry. All the events, everything is just in in Amsterdam, which is fun. I had some it's FOMO. Really nice city. I had yeah. some FOMO. I saw the selfie with you and Charles, and I really love Charles. Like he's so cool. Yeah, and, he's, uh, he's he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. I actually he, yeah. <laughs> saw we 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 did a video one year ago about GA4, yeah. and that's like the best performing video on my channel. And I tweeted at him. I said, Charles, we need to do like the the aftermath, like what happened since last year and this year yeah. in GA4. Now nah, he's a very nice guy and uh, gave me good feedback. I actually wrote an article, you know, about uh, how to edit a G tag uh, configuration oh, yeah. for GA4. I need to to self uh, to 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 promote yeah, that's a good. bit in the podcast. Sure. I forgot about it yeah um and which you can find in the in the footnotes of this i uh after we talked the last time with uh, tina i felt motivated mm -hmm. to, to write to, some to, technical writing to, to do some technical yeah. writing and i remember i got some feedback from somebody that says that i didn't put screenshots like simo i was like thank you it's like i'm not <laughs> it's like i'm not simo i have a total different hey, writing as, as we learned from tina screenshots are risky because they incur debt and it's, and you but have why would to, you screenshot G tag? Like it's yeah, just like code. Why would you screenshot, screenshot that? Oh. And uh, I actually linked to the great documentation that they have yeah. right now. Uh, yeah. So the article did good. Um, very uh, happy good. with the feedback. And um, 
yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm excited to write more. I actually started yeah, looking at those free courses for uh, technical writing. So let's see, because I'm I have one coming with cross domain and with GTAG, which is a shit show, yeah. <laughs> just like in GA. So yeah. um, let's see if I'm able to uh, to keep myself accountable for more uh, writing. But yeah, you were telling me about the CSS yeah. selector course. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, that's doing fine. Uh, I am supposed to release it tomorrow which is a oh. bit nerve-wracking because i still have to like go over some of the stuff but um yeah it's supposed to come out tomorrow um this is not a promise so don't come chasing after me if it's not out on the 25th of april uh we're we're doing our best but it might get pushed back one day or two i'm not i'm really really almost 90 percent sure we'll get it out today um and then when that's done uh, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm really happy with the course. It's 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 exactly what it's supposed to be. So it doesn't trail off. It doesn't go to weird places. It's just about CSS selectors. So it's also going to be cheaper than our other courses. It's a bit shorter than our other courses. The kind of point is kind of to take it with the JavaScript course, but we're not forcing you down that path. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but so that's been a lot of fun. It makes sense to with that one. Yeah. But this is so life is turning really difficult <laughs> in this this sense because while I was in Amsterdam, I so I, I never again back to Amsterdam, I never sleep in hotels. I when I'm traveling alone, I just it just I'm I'm not a good sleeper. So I, I always kind of just stay up and maybe play some switch or do some work. And so then at like one AM I I get an email that I've been allow listed for a certain server side tagging feature that is coming up hopefully in a couple of weeks and so which is which i've been waiting for for two years or something interesting so then i start writing that article and now things are very difficult because i need to focus on the course but i'm really distracted by this amazing feature that's coming up and then we have our website redesign going on then i have to write then i'm finishing up a um, an article on the simmer blog about post message stuff and then yeah it's just uh the whole problem with this course, the CSS Selectors course, was that, that I did not carve away time to work on it, as I mentioned yeah. probably in the last podcast. And now I'm back in that place that it's, the problem isn't carving away time. I'm good at that now, but the problem is focusing on only the one thing that I have to get out of the way. So that's very, very difficult. And now I just and have to kind of, as soon as this interview is over, I'm going to stick my head into slide. a bag and just, yeah, I'm going to close the shutters, turn off the lights. Just make everything as unpleasant as possible and just force myself to go through this. Sea I know, of but so much exciting stuff going on, and I feel you. I'm yeah. I'm in the same headspace, and like, yeah. and uh, my mother-in-law was asking, was saying to my husband the other day, like, I don't know how Juliana has time to do the podcast <laughs> content, yeah. blogs, like the job. I was like, I don't know either. It's just that it yeah. has. It's so so many exciting things happening at the same time. So it's very hard to just like put your eggs in one basket. So I get it. But I hope by the time, you know, we, we have, uh, I think, I hope our uh, anniversary episode, because this is filmed technically after the anniversary episode, because it's Standard Deviation Podcast is turning one year Ooh. on the 1st of May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. It's, it is. And uh, I'm, I'm really, I was in my feelings yesterday on LinkedIn and I'm actually really happy that we're doing this together. I feel like, and I said this a couple of times and I have no shame of saying it. We are more fun maybe than other podcasts that are in digital <laughs> analytics. We are more At fun. At least we think we are more fun. That's important. No, exactly. Nobody said otherwise. But yeah, there you go. We 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 we're doing we're doing our thing. But see, because you told me that I had kinky funk songs <laughs> last time in the podcast, <laughs> I changed it and I have something new for you today, so you can uh, do your It's like a yeah, it's like a, a '70s crime show again. You have you have a lot of like '70s vibes, I think, like in a, in a good I'm way. I, I no, no, it's like it's, a it's like a, yeah, stuff, yeah. it's my, one of my favorite decades in music. But it's 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 very distinct. <laughs> it's it tells, yeah, I think it tells more about you than about me about my my Simmerads. But yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. When I gave you the the elevator type of music, you said, "Oh my God, this is my music from the JavaScript course." You didn't like it, so this is what you get. Right? Yeah, we're we're still looking for the perfect tune. We're, it's it's going in good directions. Yeah, you we're have to do it, it yourself. I know. I might have to. Yeah.
So, uh, yes, Simmer, thank you. Uh, Simmer Ad, <laughs> uh, advertising our, our lovely little business. Uh, Simmer is a, a company I founded with my wife, Mari, and she is the CEO and the head head hooch of this of this biz. And we do online courses in technical marketing. We are also very proud sponsors of this podcast. And take a look at teamsimmer.com. We have a bunch of courses for technical marketers around JavaScript, server-side tagging, BigQuery, web browsers, and soon also CSS selectors. And you can use the coupon code DEVIATE, that's D-E-V-I-A-T-E, for a 10% discount, but only for individual course purchases. Somebody tried to buy a bundle or bought a bundle from us and wrote in the in the order notes, I, I am using the discount code DEVIATE. That's not how coupon codes work, so I'm sorry that you did not get an additional discount. So it's only for individual courses. The bundles are already quite heavily discounted, so you don't benefit at all from that. But anyway, even without the discounts, we have... I think we have good quality courses, so take a look at those. And um, yeah, that's about it. We're happy to be sponsors of this amazing, amazing venture with two very charming hosts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you for that. And yes. uh, I do write, I do write individual course purchases in all the footnotes and on the videos. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like the, the the website isn't isn't like the checkout funnel is, is messed up so i'm happy that we're having a we're doing the site redesign it's it's a complicated checkout and doesn't help that the there's you know yeah anyway so it's 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 not the person's fault for trying the code i know that it doesn't make it very clear what is an individual course but hopefully this clears it up a bit cool 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 so uh you will find the links for uh, teamseymore.com in the episode notes and the discount code if you didn't catch it. And by the time this will air, you would probably ideally have the CSS selector course out. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is probably going to be somewhere at the end of May. Okay. So yeah, wow. you should be... I, I should have it by then. If not, <laughs> things have gone so awry. <laughs> cool. So today, Simo, today we have a guest. Yes. For the sake of everyone listening, it's not just us. We have Carolina and we got the chance, I got the chance actually to meet her at Super Week uh, this uh, this year. And she works at Google and this is our second, uh, second Google employee. I promise. We this need was to a- branch out. We need to branch out to other other companies, but um, she, when I was uh, at Super Week, I had an interesting. We had, we were at dinner with her, with Krista, with Siobhan. And we're talking about you know our careers and moving on and doing what we're doing. And she mentioned something about ambition management, which is something I had to Google for the sake of the podcast because I didn't know what it meant. And uh, today we are having her over so she can tell us more about how she navigated from individual contributor to manager to back to individual contributor. Uh, and also she is in a PPC. So this is our first PPC ads guest. So I'm very uh, excited Ooh, to talk to her today. Someone from the dark side. Exactly. Especially after what happened last night with Meta. I actually posted oh, yeah. it on Measure Slack. Like it was insane. So yeah. we have Carolina and I think she's anxiously waiting to be let in in the lobby. So let's let her in. <laughs> <laughs> was that good? That was very really Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Carolina. We have Carolina Zbask in the building. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you. I'm very well. It's a spring day, uh, finally. So I'm, I'm happy. How are you? We're very excited to talk to you today because we want to know everything in human <laughs> <laughs> We'll start from day one. Start from How day. was your birth? Um, <laughs> quick. <We don't>, no. <laughs> no, that... Let's not open that can of worms. So, it is, so the sun is shining. Is that like a natural light on your face, or is it a ring light? I won't tell you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Sun uh, coming from the right, and um, and the lamp from nice. the front. Uh, because Very otherwise, good. I would really look, you know, mm. not that it would be dramatic. Dramatic. Yes. Yeah. This is a very Eastern episode today. We have Poland. We have Finland, we have Romania. Hold on. Did you just group us together with Eastern Europe? That is a very political thing to say, by the way. What? I'm proud to be Eastern European. No, no, I, I didn't mean I, it as a negative, but it's, it's, a, it's a very political thing to say in Finland because we've always been kind of skirting between the two, like in the neutral middle ground. That's why yeah. the NATO thing was such a, Everyone such a big deal. Everyone is trying to escape. Uh, everyone is trying to escape, escape uh, Eastern Europe. So, like now, <laughs> Serbia, now Serbia is saying, "Oh, Eastern Europe." 
you know, where West Balkans, Poland well, is I mean, like yeah, it's central. Actually, central think, Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poland, I think it's considered central. Well, you're so Central European time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think. I, I think if you're on the left side of uh, Viswa, you're like uh, Western or Central. If yeah. you're on the right side of uh, Viswa, uh, yeah. you're um, Eastern. Yeah. I don't but know. I mean, well, I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I definitely didn't mean it as something that that's negative because we it would be if Finnish people weren't like if we were ashamed of our Eastern roots, for example, we would kind of turn our whole national identity upside down. So of course not, but but it's but it is a, it is an interesting interesting thing too. Is that by the, I I have to pursue this? Is that how we're kind of perceived in in Romania, for example? Do you perceive Finland as an Eastern Europe, European country? Yeah. Okay. You um, Estonia. I'm not in the team of like considering Finland yeah. as an Eastern country. No. Yeah, <laughs> I think like geographically we are well, like we are on the Eastern border of, of Europe for sure, and we're in the Eastern European time zone. But um, yeah, because we like for sure we consider ourselves ourselves more as part of a uh, of a Western. Not in Romania. We know the truth. <laughs> I know you sneaky Romanians. <laughs> we know it. Nah. Yeah. You get you you, uh, you you know you can spot a, you can spot an Eastern European f- so far away. <laughs> immediately, yeah, immediately we're very similar. Cool. Okay, we're we're derailing. Derailing as fuck. So, Carolina, I remember that I um we were chatting at dinner at Super Week. It was you, me, Siobhan, with Krista. We had such a great conversation then and about our lives, about you know. Um, our careers and so on. And I was very interested to have you in the podcast today to talk to you more and just like have people, uh, I guess, glimpse a bit into your journey because I know you went from individual contributor to a management position, but then in a, again, in the, in the individual contributor type of, uh, type of role. And now you're working as a solution architect uh, for the Google marketing platform at Google, right? So around the advertising part. But um, I want you to tell us a bit like, before, because we we have a lot of obviously um, newcomers in the industry that listen to the podcast that probably they think, you know, like they, they would want to work for Google. So we'd love to know more about the culture and the hiring and how did you get there? But before that, tell us, how did you get into digital analytics? How, how was that journey from, uh, you know, just starting out and uh, getting into this, uh, into this role? That's an amazing question. And I was thinking, how can I squeeze in, into my reply uh, the significance and the role of my brother. So he mm. was the <laughs> he was the one uh, who once asked me a question. Hey, um, you could actually manage the sponsored links. Like, what the hell? What are sponsored links? Like, I didn't even know. I didn't. I wasn't aware that someone is actually managing the results uh, in Google search. So he was the one who asked me if I want to do this, and then just shared some resources. Uh, and at the time, so I, uh, I studied maths, and then I thought that finance is the direction I should go to. Um, so I even worked in finance for like for a year, and I realized that's absolutely opposite. So that's something I really want to avoid, uh, besides the money, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started uh, preparing myself for for the marketing, and it was really quite a long time ago, um, and there were not that many. Um, Mm, like agencies and uh, opportunities at the time. It was 2009. Um, there was just one agency in my city and I applied there um, just even like for free. I can do anything <laughs> for you. Just uh, just let me in and uh, let me learn. Um, and I applied for some other roles as well in other businesses including finance, I guess, because I really needed to earn money. Um, uh, so the agency was the only one uh, who replied um, oh. to my application, and they actually offered me money for my work. So it was a wow. um, happy moment uh, for me. And yes. I stayed there for like 11 years, so it was a good uh, choice. Uh, so that oh. was the start. But I obviously, I, I changed my position, so my roles uh, at the agency. I started as a PPC manager, and then... I moved to analytics because I was really curious to know what what's going on with the people that click um, yeah. uh, on the links, and uh, then they they just don't vanish <laughs> mysteriously. Uh, they do something on the page, and at the time, uh, specialists who managed campaigns they focused 
mainly on the stats that were in Google AdWords at the time. And they, 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 it was, I think it was a general practice that people, uh, Google Analytics wasn't that um, like popular. Mm. Um, so if you had any curious in this direction, you could easily migrate to analytics. Yeah. So that, that's how I landed in, in measurement. Wow. Was it ever like, what was the most difficult transition? Was it starting off in marketing or was it one of those career moves while you were in marketing? What, what made you think about it the most? What was the biggest friction? Um, so starting in marketing wasn't that difficult, maybe because of the um, context and time when I started. I, I'm honestly, I'm not sure if it's now easier or harder to start in marketing. I'm because I, I also hired people to my team some years, mm. you know, several years ago. And um, but still, I can't tell if it's harder or yeah. easier. Um, I guess yeah. there, there, there are more resources now to learn. Uh, yeah. loads of it. Uh, for me at the time, it wasn't that hard. I, so I started at the agency and then I just, it, it went smoothly, naturally grew. Um, I think the biggest transition and the hardest wasn't be between PPC and analytics. It was between individual contributor and manager's role. Um, so, and it didn't require any hard skills. It required soft skills. So, um, and the shift in, in the approach. Um, and if you, if you like your work as an, as a practitioner, it's even harder to migrate to manager's role, mm. uh, because you, you fear that you, you'll be missing out on the new stuff and the technical stuff. You will lose the skills. That's, I mean, it depends on, on the personality. Mm. If you build your confidence based on technical skills, um, you might think that you're losing something when you're growing into manager's yeah. role. Do you think that's, was that true for you? Like for, for me, that prototypical shift to management means that you still love all the things you used to do. Like if you love them, like you, you don't lose that, but just the amount of overhead and the amount of like management stuff, administrative stuff, it just reduces the energy capacity you have for actually pursuing those things. Did that happen to you? Because I know that there are managers who still have very much their hands dirty and their management style is very hands-on. But there is a momentum against that style in most organizations where management is expected to more be like, you know, a, a, a middle person between the maybe the strategic parts and the operational parts and they lose touch with the Absolutely. I think uh, so. during my time at the agency, it wasn't that moment yet, but I know it happened later that the manager, managers uh, were like moved away from the projects. During my time, I still had the chance to manage the, the biggest projects and get my hands dirty, just like you said. Uh, but it wasn't enough. I I had so I had the feeling that I'm not uh, uh, a good enough manager, and I'm mm. and I'm not growing um, my technical skills. Yeah. So I was doing everything in mediocre uh, way. Uh, yeah. That was my per personal feeling. Um, I don't have any. Mm, management studies so like i don't have this managerial um, background um and education and i felt that um i won't be able to compete with other people that are born and educated managers uh so if you can be really good at something maybe you should consider something different i mean it's it's worth trying because i learned a lot yeah. absolutely so that, that's a very significant part of my career i think even the, the, the later parts um but that's something that i intentionally and consciously left moved away yeah. from um but still relying on the skills they learned uh, at that at that moment and i think um so yeah maybe just i will stop no, there that's a no, that's no, a really but interesting it's point. relatable. Uh, remember, yeah. we had this convo uh, a few episodes back, Simo, when we were talking about the fact that, you know, even if you're very talented in what you do, that doesn't automatically make you a good manager. It's just uh, that's how some some roles are being promoted inside it's agencies. It's very often. Yeah. It's where, yeah. Because where if, if the ladder is, if there are uh, not separate ladders for technical um, skills and, and management skills, uh, the, the only way to get promoted to grow in the organization is to go into the manager's role. 
uh, yeah. which mm. makes you a, a transition um, shift from amazing practitioner to a really shitty manager. Yeah, <laughs> that's the worst. And I think yeah. because I had a pretty small team, like up to seven people, and yeah. I always got a positive, very positive feedback from the team. So I really had a very straightforward um, uh, relationship with uh, my team, like p- partnership. Uh, it wasn't the same case with other managers and yeah. the, the leadership of the organization. I think their expectations towards my um, role and, and myself mm. were um, a little different, I guess. So. So do, do you think that this could be solved by not having managers at all? Like having a manage, manager-less company? Because those those exist and they are like self-organizing and they might be... Of course, it requires the company to be a bit small or at least have smaller unit, business units. But if if you only um, hire like super, super talent and make sure that nobody gets, you know, elevated to managerial position and everybody just enjoys being the... Do you think that would help? No, I don't, I don't think... I don't know. I'm not convinced about that. So mm. I'm convinced about me not being ready. Maybe I'm not saying that somewhere in future I won't be doing the the manager's role again. But um, for sure, for now, I'm absolutely not ready for that, and I don't want it. But I yeah. really enjoy working with my manager. I really okay. love the fact that he's there, um, yeah. and he's absolutely aware of what we're working on what we're doing he knows the, the staff really he knows the projects so but he's not doing that um himself so but he, he knows what's going on in our everyday yeah. work but he has different jobs to do but he's a people's manager yeah. if you distinguish really these parts that you have a pe- people's manager uh you have like product managers program managers whatever you call it mm. like people who manage something you can because you can manage different things right yeah not necessarily people if you're not feeling very comfortable managing people but yeah. i like the fact that he's managing our team and he's um the middleman between us and the, and the organization yeah. it's uh, probably depending on um, who you meet and who you work with uh yeah. your, your experience can be different but i really love the fact that he's there and he's a he's a manager and and i'm not sure if he's gonna be listening to this podcast <laughs> hello Hi. we cut out all the parts where she where carolina just bad mouthed you don't worry we cut them out <laughs> no yeah yeah i love my manager no it's <laughs> kidding but uh yeah so i still feel they are needed because yeah. there should be someone in the organization that really thinks about uh, other people <laughs> and if they're happy. So my conclusion after me um, in, the, in the role of manager is that I really don't want to take um, care of, like, or worry about people's happiness yeah. anymore because yeah. it's so exhausting. That's it, fair. It, con- it consumes my energy, my time. I can't sleep because I think like, oh, yeah. what, what, what if they leave or if they are happy, they have the total little like, money yeah. or probably like no mm. <laughs> I love it's stressful this. i love this you're so but honest if, yeah i but love if, this if, if you're really if, if a manager is really good and, and they're really like an enabler and facilitator and their yeah. job is to remove roadblocks then it's amazing the the reason i'm kind of kind of anti-management and i've always been is is also because i've seen some of the smartest and most hardworking people I know being completely demoralized in a company just because they had a bad manager. And that's so unfair. Like it, it makes no sense that you have these people who the company should fight tooth and claw to keep within their ranks and happy. And they still allow a bad manager to kind of destroy their morale and have them looking for other jobs. I think at that point, the trickle down effect of bad management, considering that it could, it could impact just a couple of people, it could impact dozens, it could impact hundreds of people if you have like a super bad VP, for example. It's just, it sounds like so Great. dangerous. And with a big company um, like Google, but like any other company that has, you know, thousands of employees and thousands of business units, the risk is there that there's a there's a manager hired who looks great to the people who make the decisions, but who's an absolute terror to the people who report to them. So it's just... I don't know. It's it's very interesting to hear you say these things because uh, this this idea that managers um, take care of people is absolutely true, and I think that's the best possible type of a manager is who takes care of people. But sometimes 
they, they say they can't take care of people, but they only look after themselves. And at that point, it, yep. it becomes a very toxic relationship. Yeah, you know, the, the saying, and probably everyone heard that, that people join the company, but they leave the managers. Yes. Yeah. That's true. And that's, uh, that's, a, terrible, uh, that's a terrible indictment of bad management. Yep. But a very, very fair one, of course. Yeah. So where does ambition management, now that we're talking about management, where does ambition management fill in? I think also I would like... What does to it mean? Read, yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, because I had to Google it. I know what it means now. But I, tell, I just made it up. <laughs> wow. At, 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 at which point you will ask me, what did I mean about uh, when, when, when saying um, ambition management? I think uh, what I meant was my internal uh, struggle throughout my whole career. Um, so I mentioned my brother. Uh, who like, pushed me in this direction? Um, he, he was also in in the same field. Um, he's doing other stuff now, like similar. But I was always looking up to him. But I <laughs> literally, I I never thought that I can grow in the same way that he did. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I so my struggle was. And I was always aware of the enormous amount of stuff that I don't know or I won't be able to absorb, um, learn. Um, and so one part was uh, when I was deciding about where, whether to become a manager or to stay a, a practitioner and in, individual contributor. So at that time you feel like, okay, so I'm growing, so I need to become a manager and then I'm losing the technical skills. So what if I'm expected or I'm forced to change the, the organization or the, so the company or the role, or I'm, I, I will stop being the manager in the company. What is my, what are my virtues and what are my skills that will get me another job? that is nice enough for me, uh, also money-wise. <clears throat> so that was the first struggle. Like, should I grow as a manager? I know I don't have the background. I don't have the education in this direction. So if I, if I lose my skills, who am I then? Uh, then in my practitioner uh, role, it's a different type of struggle because um, I do measurement stuff, so I do the tagging, analytics, and stuff, but I don't do data analysis, data science. I don't code. However, I know some parts, like enough for uh, web analytics, but I always knew there's so much more there. I was always looking up to people who could, were really capable of writing code, uh, custom scripts, like, oh, I will just say I quickly integrated the two tools and automated uh, the, the work and I was like oh shit I can only like configure tags in GTM <laughs> that's <laughs> what's, what's the, my value there um, and I tried doing that so I spent time learning uh, to code I uh, I really during pandemic when I uh, started my uh, when I moved from agency to uh, on to the client side as a web analyst I was the only analyst uh, at the time uh, at the company, and I had this all these ideas from the agency, like ideas. What what would, what's worth doing? So I even tried doing some you know data driven attribution, like custom um, uh, projects. Uh, it's open source, right? You can take the the codes um, from the from GitHub and apply uh, in your environment and do some analysis there. So I was playing the data science, <laughs> which was so horrible it was it brought me absolutely no um satisfaction i knew that i was terrible at that um so i just i think that the ambition management at this moment is to tell to yourself first what are you being paid for and second what are you being what are you good at it continue doing that because if you were um like accepted to, to the role, um, if you're promoted or if you're appreciated for doing something, just continue doing that. You can uh, feel if, uh, try to get from the conversation with people, from the context, try to feel if more skills in certain directions um, are beneficial for you, are, will help you grow in, in, your, in your role. But your ambition, so your will to learn to code 
might not necessarily support your growth, support mm. your role, support your career, because it's something that you have you internally feel that it, it makes you a better um, specialist, but it doesn't because it takes your time from the core part of your um, of your work. And what I've been good at was to, to still do my measurement and tagging part and talk to the business. That's where yes. I'm good at. I'm, I'm, I'm not good at managing people, but I'm good at talking to people, to business people, because I, I have this straightforward communication skill that is not the best one for when you're a manager. <laughs> they don't appreciate yeah. you for that. <laughs> but, when, but when you do analytics, when you do measurement, and you are very direct in communication and you are very open, um, you like being in spotlight, you bring the measurement topics to business people and that's where value is. And if it's a I huge start, skill. Yeah, so if I started to write uh, in R or Python or scripting or whatever, like, yeah, that's so sexy, that's so exciting. <laughs> Where's the benefit? It is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know. So, so I completely, I totally appreciate people doing that and building yeah. their career and their business based on that, like doing this part. So I can use that. I don't necessarily need to do it myself because yeah. it's like, it's similar, I think, with the manager's role. I'm just not born to be a manager, people's manager, and I'm just not born to, to be a programmer. So... Let's stop. I think this is a very mature approach, Carolina, because this is a very interesting topic, by the way. I never thought of it like this, but if you're in our field, and especially if you're doing content, because this is what I associated mm-hmm. with, my own ambitions and you know everyone's ambitions, it's like very easy to want to do everything, to want to write about Google Tag Manager, about G4, like you want to be first, you want to have the best stuff, but it's very hard, you know, to keep up because there's so many people that are already doing it and they're doing it better than you. And that doesn't mean you suck. It means that, you know, there's people that actually have more experience in doing that. So it's hard also to, 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 to admit to yourself, like, for instance, in my case, I've been avoiding to do CRO officially with a job in experimentation just because I know I can do it, but I didn't want to be put in that bucket. Unfortunately, now I will be put in that bucket, no, but, but it's, 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 it's hard because I wanted also to learn JavaScript and I did a bit, thankfully, with the CWO's help, but... It's, it's a lot of things that you want to do, but at the same time, I like how you frame it. Like, is this your core va- strength, your core value? Is this what you're pay- being paid for? And it, it, if you do so many things, it gets you distracted from what you're really good at and where you can bring value. I think one thing that you should not forget uh, is when you, where you get your energy from when you get your satisfaction from. Because if you suck uh, a little bit at doing something, but you're still happy about doing it, continue doing that yeah it's absolutely fine you should do that but it wasn't my it just wasn't my case i just felt it's needed it's it's it it should help me do my stuff better uh and it's true to a certain level but when i spend several days working on some script that really didn't help me impact the business in any way or progress my projects in any way uh, it just I realized that it's not helping either me or the or the business that I'm working for. So I focused on people and their expectations toward uh, data and, and reports and, and like any analysis that I could get for for them. Um, but yeah, if you're happy doing something, even if it's just for yourself or in a small small piece of your work, just continue doing that. It's not like, oh, if you're not being paid for that, just abandon. No, <laughs> just want to be clear about that. How, 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 do you, how do you handle that and balance that in an organization like Google? Uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a line like ambition management is also about your individual growth, but also about the organizational yeah. growth and needs. Like, how do you balance that at Google? Uh, so Google is all about growth. So if, you, if you're staying in your role and doing the same stuff for a long time, like several years, it's definitely something, it's, it's not something that is expected and welcome. Um, but there are so many opportunities to grow. So in my current role, even though I'm just 
just a technical consultant. So I could be doing my product-related consultations. Um, I can do so much more uh, if I build or strengthen the collaboration with the sales team, with um, product teams. Mm. Uh, I can go more into uh, clients' uh, um, relations management, um, contribute there more with the products. Uh, and the, the sales team and, the, and clients, they really, they always welcome people uh, who can talk about products uh, in a, a like, um, understandable way mm. and, and easy way. Um, and if I'm doing, by, by doing that, if I'm selling something or progressing the project or influencing the client to go for something, to invest uh, in some solutions. Um, it's a, the, the sales team are happy and uh, uh, my manager is happy. The, the visibility to the teams is higher. So um, there are different ways you can grow uh, and you can um, also build your skills beyond the core work. In the, in the organization of this size, it's obvious. So it's not like you're expected to stay in your track only. You can do more, that's for sure. Um, so I'm, it's only been two years now, so I can't tell yet. Uh, I, I'm not planning to change my team just yet. Um, so I can't tell if it's difficult or not um, to, to shift. I know many people who did that who changed teams, changed offices, or changed countries. Uh, they did it. Uh, there's still a um, process for that. So you need to apply for the role. It's not like, oh, I need, I want to change the team and uh, the role. So mm. yeah, naturally, like automatically you're there. No, there's still an application process um, and assessment, skills assessment. Um, so I'm not there yet. I, I'm not, I don't know. If I will be there <laughs> at some point, I'm happy where I am. Uh, but as I said, I can grow different parts of mm. my personal, professional life in my role yeah. with the support of my yeah. manager. So mm. I haven't faced any true, I, I haven't hit the wall yet. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like that a, a company. So when, when a company hires someone, the company comes up with a job description and a job title, and they have a checklist of things that the applicant needs to pass. And then they do an interview process. And for the interview process to be fair, they need to offer the same kind of job description to all the applicants. So it, it feels to me like it's very, it, what follows logically is that whoever you hire, if you don't support their personal growth in a role, you're just going to hire them purely for, you know, sucking their efficiency and nothing else. But if you, if you, as a company, if you allow them to take the role that was offered to them and then either shape that to look like them, so allow them to kind of freely bring in their own ambitions and their own expertise into the role, or give them the tools to rotate to other things and to uh, grow themselves into different roles, I think that's where the magical part is. And it still feels to me like so many companies still kind of try to keep people in the place they hired them originally for. And then you see how these people wither because they feel like I'm just, uh, I am shaping myself to work as well as I can in the role that this company offered to me. But how can this company know what I'm actually good at? I'm an individual person. They, they came up with this checklist. You know, I might, I might check all the boxes, but I'm so much better in these different things. So for, for me, it's, it's always been very clear that if you have, a company with managers. I get back to what a good manager is. The manager should also be able to spot these idiosyncrasies in the in the employees, and give them the tools and the time and the resources to kind of look at and grow themselves in other areas. Even if, and this is, I think, this is for me the clincher for between a good company and one that doesn't interest me at all. Even if that growth doesn't necessarily support the bottom line of the company they've been hired for, because I, you know, if I'm not saying they should be allowed to go surfing. Uh, <laughs> right after the midday meeting or something, but actually the I, Australian I not... teams they do that. I, I heard Australia, that. <laughs> yes, Australia is a yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that you know if 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 it makes me a better employer employee to be also allowed to spend like ten percent of my time learning to draw 
you know, learn to do 3D diagrams, learn to do prompt engineering, stuff that's not relevant to my role. I think it will make me a better employee, period. So it, w- it would just seem like for any managers out there, this is like a, it seems to me again, like so self-evident, but maybe I'm so detached from what management is like these days because no, I haven't been managed in so long. You're, you're absolutely true. Uh, what you're saying is true. And I remember uh, so at the time, during my time at the agency, we used to do that. Like we used to keep people in their roles and we didn't really allow people to shift between the teams until uh, sometime when we realized that it's impossible. People will just leave if you don't let them change the team. So yeah. I had um, people from my team going to SEO um, yeah. team to, to add uh, to performance team. Um, and they're happy there. Because once yeah. you, uh, when you join the company, you don't necessarily know, or you don't often know what other services they provide, what other teams are there. Yeah. And when you join the company, you might realize that there are actually better places for you. And yeah. now hiring great people is so expensive and so time consuming. Is it really better to let the peop- let the, the, these people just shift to uh, change the teams? Um, yeah. And that's re- true. Referring to the to hiring people. That's that's how the process is built at Google. Uh, it's not. I, I think that currently it's not only Google's thing. I think other companies also they follow this or similar path. Like you assess different attributes, and obviously, if you're hiring for a measurement role, you expect people to have some knowledge in that area, mm-hmm. or at least to have similar knowledge or something that uh, tells you that it's it will be easy for them to absorb new new uh, skills and new knowledge. Um, but then you assess other fields, other yeah. areas, like collaboration. Um, like there's, it's, there's nothing called Googliness. So how supportive you are, how um, inclusive you are. Um, so all the other attributes that make you a great uh, teammate and employer, um, in addition to your technical part, because really the, on having the technical skills, it's not it's not enough uh, to have a great member of the team. On that point, because we're we're about to wrap up soon, I wanted to ask, like, what are some things that you've seen newcomers, uh, like, what are some misconceptions or pitfalls that you see newcomers newcomers encounter, and like, do you have any strategies or resources you can recommend to people to avoid, you know, making these mistakes when starting out? Uh... Well, <laughs> now, so since we're going to wrap up, I need to <laughs> squeeze all my thoughts <laughs> into, few sen- into a few sentences. Um, I was doing this uh, sort of analysis of, of like thinking about this stuff um, like yesterday, and I realized that what I would do more is I put everything, all my conclusions, into one uh, word that is ask and in different contexts you can why ask uh, ask why multiple times like why do why you should do something why something is happening that way or this way why this works that way because then this helps you to get to the core of the whatever it is a problem a situation uh, a context so ask why ask what uh, or how, how, how you should deliver your work, how someone expects you to present the, re- the report or present the analysis or present yourself. So ask how, ask why, ask for help, but do your, do your preparation first. So do your research, put some effort into in, investigate the problem. So put some effort, but then you should really ask others for opinion for support for help because what i so my personal experience was that i was really um um i really had a a low confidence in what i'm doing and i i still often do have this uh so i need to cross the the lines i'm not not crystallized but go outside the comfort zone i know i hate this phrase because i really enjoy my comfort zone i like being there (laughs) <laughs> but it's, it, it shows that uh, your comfort zone can grow 
So if you approach the people, it's super weak. <laughs> okay, that, I, that's still ahead. But if you ask someone, if you can actually present, it's super weak. If you um, if you ask your colleagues who share uh, the, the open role at Google, if you're a good fit, they can tell you, yes, you're a perfect fit. I will just refer you and you can go apply. So ask for the opportunity. Um, and it's all about asking um, because then you, you you might realize that yeah your your comfort zone grows. You're actually very happy um, having this new contacts and new uh, contacts and uh, new um, like ways of of presenting yourself or working or doing whatever whatever you like. Because yeah, yeah, that's just go forward. And I'm. I'm actually referring, talking about this specifically because I also see I need to I really need to mention that when I had uh, the team of analysts, uh, it was 50-50 men and women. When I left, I can I know that the team is all men right now, and I'm not saying it's wrong because maybe they were just not uh, like there, there were there were no candidates like female candidates. But why there are so little uh, women at Super Week and in the community? Mm -hmm. uh, why uh, do you speak up so little, like really rarely? And I feel that it's because they, because I know so many uh, girls uh, in measurement, in, in analytics, mm -hmm. um, but they, they either don't care and that's fine, they don't want to do this, or they feel they are not good enough or it takes too much effort and too much energy to to speak up, to ask for the opportunity to go on stage, um, and whatever it is, I'd love to see more women being active in the community. Um, I feel that there's a huge support, but mm. we shouldn't, we can't expect men in the community to very strongly and proactively research or search for women that should go on stage. I mean, it's it's happening. Like I, I know that. Remember, I talked to to Jeff at the Super Week. He mentioned that I talked, and every man that I know in the industry is very supportive for um to to women in the industry. But girls really need to ask for the opportunity. So I'd love to see girls going more forward, like go, you know more speak up and ask for it's also the side of it that even if you ask and this is my experience it, it also might be that you have you know like not the perfect um setup to go and speak at some events and this is something that you know i have to deal with as well like for instance if you don't have already a big name or if you don't have already like very you know big talks in your repository or if you're uh, working for a place that it's not necessarily something that you want to see in the lineup, like it's, it, there's a lot of factors that affect. And I think if you're a woman and you're trying to go and speak at these events and you're being said no constantly from big events, it, 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 it makes you like, maybe I'm not good enough, you know, and it really affects. Yeah, I remember that you mentioned it. I think it was like LinkedIn uh, posts, but you mentioned that somewhere. Yeah. And I read it and I thought, yeah, you're right. But I never, I, I've never done this. So um, when you apply or you uh, submit your um, yourself to like a conference uh, as, a, as a speaker, uh, you're not. It's less personal, um, so it's easy to reject you. But when you make, okay, you might not agree. I, that's my that's my feeling. So yeah, I, I so my. Another like other feeling about my career is that uh, I've never pushed anything very much. I mm. just did my work and just used the opportunity if I had a chance to talk to someone. However, I haven't talked to Simo, <laughs> even though I had the opportunity. It's, again, still ahead. Uh, but I did talk to some people. Uh, I attended Super Week. Super Week is just like a it's amazing place to talk to people from the industry who will support you, who will help you uh, do. If you, if you want to present, they will help you present. If you want to do a project, uh, you, they will help you do a project. They are very supportive. So if you 
try to naturally use the opportunity that you have, but without this push and uh, struggle, it might, maybe it works differently for, for different people. I don't know. My experience is that if I just see, keep it like maybe do my work the best I can, use the opportunities, but with, without this struggle and this push to achieve specific thing in this specific moment. Um, you, you just you don't have this frustration. Oh, I felt again. I felt again. No, I just grew to the moment where the opportunity was just good enough for me, and I was good enough for the opportunity, and I just I just used it. So you take your time. I'm really <laughs> when I um, talk to other people when I go. Fortunately, the measurement um, um, community um, at the Super Week as well. We can meet most of many people from the uh, community at the Super Week. You can see that um, the average age is. Not that low, <laughs> but at Google, I'm very often the, the oldest one in the room. So it oh. just takes time. It takes time, and um, but it's still okay. Uh, so you don't have to do. You don't have to rush with the career. That's that's my feeling. Like some things just come naturally when you do your stuff. Uh, and but you do. You ask. You talk to people. Uh, and sometimes you try to grow your comfort zone. Yeah, I like that with growing your comfort zone because it's exactly as much as you can, you know, you can do it. It can be comfortable. Thank you so much, Carolina. I really enjoyed having you today. Where uh, you. can people connect with you and find you? Um, LinkedIn. Absolutely. Cool. Happy to, to connect. And thank you so much. It, it's been so great to be your guest. Likewise. It was Likewise. lovely to have you. Thank you so much. Cool. And looking forward to our meeting um, somewhere. Next Super Week? Next Super Week, yeah. Juliana, um, Bucharest, maybe. Oh, yes, you said you're coming to Bucharest. Yes, let's go. Let's Fingers go. Crossed. Let's have. Yes, yeah. I can uh, I can wait. And uh, thank you so much again for coming. You can find a bunch of links in the footnotes. Simo, do you want uh, any last words? I feel like you if wanna... you if, if you're ever in this lovely Eastern European country of Finland, just give thank me a note and I'll... <laughs> 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 we'll go for a coffee. 